message is uh, we are going on in this series called We Are His Body. And today's message is entitled Living by the Spirit's Power. To be born again is to be made alive in Christ, where we are powered by his spirit and not our own souls. We are his body and can only perform his will when we are powered by his spirit. Can you say this with me? I can only perform his will when I am powered by his spirit. Listen, uh, that's why we can sin and miss the mark so much, because our souls know what he wants, but our souls can't perform it. Your mind, your will, your emotion can your emotions cannot perform that which is spiritual. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in order to perform and to please God. So the Bible says that you will receive power when let's go to Acts chapter one, verses six through twelve. Acts chapter one, verses six through twelve. It's time that the church recognize and receive the power that powers his body. If we are the body of Christ, then we must be powered by his Holy Spirit. Everything goes haywire when we become powered by our own souls, okay? My body, my natural body, can be powered by my soul, but the body of Christ can only be powered by his Holy Spirit. We're in Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 12. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? They were talking about a natural desire, a natural want. They were wanting Jesus to restore Israel from the occupation so that that government can be pushed out, the Romans, and so that Christ could reign there. It was a natural, soulish desire. It wasn't wrong, but it wasn't a spiritual desire. Verse 7, he replied, the Father alone has the authority to set these times and dates, and they are not for you to know. But, I got to pause right there. Some things are, are, are not for us to know. There are some things that God knows that just aren't for us to know because they would not fit in our finite minds. He has infinite power and wisdom, and some things human understanding cannot understand. So God just says, you know what? You don't need to know that right now, okay? He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So what happens to us when we receive power? We One thing that happens is we become witnesses. So if you have the power of the Holy Spirit living in the inside, on the inside of you, you are also a witness for God. You are able to tell others about Jesus and what he has done because the power of the Holy Spirit. Some of you, if you live from your soulless self, you will say to yourself, oh, I can't witness to people. I'm too shy. I don't know what to say. What if they reject me? All these what ifs because you're focused on your own power, the power of your soul. But Jesus says this. 
but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. Let's go to verse 9. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, a distance of a half of a mile. So, what are you waiting for? Acts 1.4 says this, Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. So we, as the body of Christ, we must learn to wait for his power so the world can see his fruit. Pretty soon I'm going to read to you what happened when the Holy Spirit came over 2,000 years ago and how there were witnesses to this power and the world saw his fruit. But as the body of Christ, we must also learn how to wait on his power when we live this Christian life, okay? Because as Christians, sometimes our souls take charge again. And the way that you know your soul takes charge again is usually the way you begin to think and speak, the way that you begin to treat other people. I've had to learn how to press pause and wait. Church, can you say Selah? Selah means to just, just chill for a minute. Just let that sink in. Just wait. So I have learned that when I feel my old soul rising up, that the best thing I can do is just relax and wait for power. Can you say this with me? Wait for power. Church, this is good. Please get this. We must learn to wait for power. Jesus told the disciples, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised as I told you before. So they waited for power before they went out and did anything for God. Do you hear what I'm saying? They waited for power before they went out and did anything for God. Every morning when you wake up, you are going to live a day that is for God. If you're a Christian, you're going to live a day that is for God. But you're going to have to wait for his power before you can do anything for God or what you'll be giving the world is you. Because they know you're, they should know already that you're Christians. But they won't see the power of God in you unless you have waited for power and you have plugged into the Holy Spirit and allowed him to bring the character of Christ in you. Do you hear what I'm saying? The Holy Spirit brings to you the character and personality of Jesus Christ. This is why so many people are turned off from Christians in church because people that say they are Christians will cuss them out in a minute. And people that say they are Christians will borrow money from them and not pay them back. People that say they are Christians can be some of the most critical and mean-spirited people in the entire world. Why? Because if you're going to say you're a Christian, there's going to be an expectation from the world and others around you 
that you're actually going to be like Christ. So what is it that makes a Christian like Christ? It is the same thing that gave Christ his power and the same person that gave Christ his power. And it is the Holy Spirit. Church, would you hear my heart this morning as I tell you that you desperately need to be filled with the Holy Spirit? That there is no other way to please God except that you have his spirit on the inside? That you can't go years and years of calling yourself a Christian and not have the power of the Holy Spirit living in you? That your best effort at righteousness is filthy rags in God's sight? So let him be righteousness on the inside of you? I pray that a hunger would arise in each of you where you say, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. I'm tired of messing up. I'm tired of having negative thoughts. I'm tired of disrespecting the character of God in front of my family and in front of coworkers. I'm tired of me. When a Christian gets tired of themselves, they're able to say, Lord, free myself from this soul and fill me with your Holy Spirit. The reason some of you reject the Holy Spirit is because you've seen abuses. You've seen people manipulate people by saying this is the Holy Spirit. Or you've seen activities and you've seen things that were not the Holy Spirit at all, but somebody labeled it, that's the Spirit, and it wasn't at all. The Holy Spirit is only the character and personality and power of God. We need the Holy Spirit. I had a dream several years ago, okay, that little white boys and little... No, that's somebody else's dream. That was Martin Luther King's dream. Um, I had a dream several years ago that I was coming out of that office over there, my office, and I was so tired after preaching. And my father, who has passed away... And he, he had already passed away when I had the dream. He walked up to me, and we met, and all of a sudden, he put his hands on me, and the power of God in the dream hit me so hard that I flew backwards like it was um, a, a, a million watts of electricity, okay? And it was so real to me in the dream that as I was flying backwards from this power of God, I could hear wind going by my ears. It was just that real. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm trying to tell you that you can't afford to be just natural. I'm trying to tell you that we serve a supernatural God and that his Holy Spirit is real. And this power is available to us that are his. But don't reject the Holy Spirit because this is what happened when Jesus was here, they rejected him. But now that he's gone and he sent his Holy Spirit down, what people are doing now is rejecting his spirit. There's many churches that say, you know what? God doesn't do that anymore. What are they doing? Rejecting his spirit. God doesn't move like that. God doesn't say that. God doesn't do that. We cannot reject the Holy Spirit. All right, so we must learn to wait on his power, okay? We need, in order to live a Christian life, we need Christian character. We need, I'm sorry, the, the character of Christ, the power of Christ, which is found in the Holy Spirit. Let's go to Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 26. And it says this to you believers. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing 
what your sinful nature craves. So those of you in this room that struggle with constant sin, repetitive sin, a cycle of sin, I'm not saying that you just fall down every once in a while. I'm saying that you're trapped in a cycle of sin. You're always doing what your sinful nature craves, okay? Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. If you want victory, it's going to take supernatural power. Jesus is supernatural. I told you over 2,000 years ago, they put his body into a tomb, and three days later, he rose from the dead. And that same spirit lives in you as well. You can't afford to just be natural with what's coming on the face of this planet. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? You can't afford to be just natural with what's coming uh, on the face of this planet, all right? Let's keep going. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger. There we go. I struggle with that sometimes. Okay, some of these things on the list you struggle with too, okay? So how do we beat that struggle? We beat that struggle by not being led by our carnal nature anymore, our soul, soulish self, but say, Holy Spirit, you lead me, okay? Let's keep going. Envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 22, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Again, but the Holy Spirit produces. So your soul cannot produce these things. The only thing that you can produce absent of God is the list before, which was the anger and the lust and the division and the ambition. This is why we need the Holy Spirit. And this is exactly why Christians, if we're going to be witnesses and representatives of Jesus Christ, we can't afford to give people our souls. So you can't afford to go into work and shut the Holy Spirit off. Do you hear what I'm saying? Well, they'll, they'll think I'm different and they'll think I think I'm better than them. Because if you shut down the power of the Holy Spirit when you're around your unsaved family members or when you're, out, you're around uh, co-workers, what they're just going to see is you. And here's the, here's the point. In you, there is no good thing. But the Holy Spirit produces these fruits, which we must share with the world. Verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, 
Let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another since we are living by the Spirit. Father, I pray over this assembly right now in Jesus' name, and I pray that you would show us each where we have endeavored to live the Christian life by our own soulful power. For your word says that we are to be led by the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you would awaken us from delusion, awaken us from uh, being misrepresented, Father God, as we try to be a reflection of you in this earth. Sometimes we are only powered by ourselves. And within ourselves is no good thing. It is only your Holy Spirit that produces the power to live the way that you desire us to live. We cannot afford to live by the power of the soul, only by the power of your Holy Spirit. Deliver us from ourselves. Oh, Lord, I'm pausing here for a moment. Oh, Lord, deliver us from ourselves, our wrong thinking, our wrong attitudes, self-righteousness. Would you deliver us from ourselves? Everywhere we have plugged the Christian life back into ourselves, God, would you unplug it? I pray for everybody in this room and everyone listening online. I pray now, God, that we would recognize everywhere that we have tried to plug the Christian life back into ourselves, where we are powered by self as we try to live for God. That is a lie. For the word of God says that he is the vine and we are the branches. So, Lord, I pray that we would not be plugged into ourselves, that we would not think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. But God, we would surrender our life to you and be led by your spirit alone. In Jesus' name, amen. So it says that um, those that belong to, to Christ have crucified some things, okay? Uh, verse 24 said, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified him there. Now, remember when Jesus said, if you desire to be my followers, you will pick up your crosses and deny yourselves, okay? So we have to remember why we're picking up that cross, because on that cross, we have nailed our passions and our desires to that cross. So the cross is a reminder that we are dead, and now we have our life in Christ, and we're going to follow him by the Spirit's power. Let's continue. So we must learn now that there is a such thing called the witness protection program. Usually that is when, let's just say, someone testifies against the mafia, okay? And they've kind of got used to living and they want to keep living. So the crime happens in New York, all right? Uh, the mafia calls this person a rat. You snitched just out, okay? We're going to get you. We're going to kill you. So the government says, in, in exchange for your testimony against the mafia, we're going to put you in the witness protection program. We're going to move you to Nevada or California. We'll change your name. We'll change your appearance. All those things. Nobody will ever be able to find you. We're going to protect you because you're our witnesses. Let's go to Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 18. That is the witness protection program. On the day of Pentecost... 
All the believers were meeting together in one place. There's unity. Suddenly, so where there is unity, there are suddenlies. This is good. Where there is unity, there are suddenlies. When you get unity in the house, there are suddenlies that happen in the house. I remember when me and my wife were living somewhere and we desired to move. So we began to bring the kids in and we would all pray that God would bless us with a new home. And after a while, because of that unity, a suddenly happened. And God moved us to the place that we desire to be because in unity, there is suddenlies. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. Where did the sound come from? Heaven. It's a supernatural event. So these natural believers are meeting together just like we are right now. They're being obedient to God to wait for power. And there they are waiting. And then suddenly... There was a sound from heaven. Another thing that brings suddenly, for those of you that have been waiting for some suddenlies to happen in your life, another thing that unlocks suddenlies is obedience. They went there and they stayed there because God told them to, and then a suddenly occurred. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present, how many people? Everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Verse 5, at that time there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were, they were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the, the province of Asia, Phygra, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from, from Rome, both Jews and converts Converts to Judaism, Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in our languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. So remember when Jesus said, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you will receive the power to become witnesses. So all of a sudden, all these people from around the same, from Galilee, receive the Holy Spirit and begin speaking in tongues and other languages. Now, these tongues that they were speaking in were not heavenly language, but earthly language, okay? These words that were coming out of their mouth could be understood from people from all over the world, okay? So verse 13 happens. But others in the crowd ridiculed them saying they're just drunk, that's all. So here's the time for the witness protection program to step forward, okay? Verse 14, then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, 
make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk as some of you are assuming. So the reason that I believe that God is having me say this to you, because a lot of you are new in the faith, and some of you come from different religious backgrounds and different denominations, so sometimes you don't understand what's happening when the Holy Spirit is moving among us. And the Holy Spirit has a witness protection program, okay? Peter stepped forward and said, listen, listen, these people aren't crazy. Some of you need to be shouting because you look like the crazy ones during worship. These people aren't crazy, okay? They're not crazy at all, all right? They are not drunk at all. What you're seeing is a supernatural event that is occurring, okay? So Peter said, it's 9 o'clock in the morning. It's much too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says... I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. The entirety of the Bible is true all the way back from the Old Testament to the New Testament. A lot of times what was, what was uh, spoken in the Old Testament was revealed in the New Testament, okay? So the Holy Spirit gives his church, the church of Jesus Christ, power. A lot of people have, a lot of, a lot of, of uh, denominations have locked out the power of the Holy Spirit and they do not allow anything weird to happen in their services. They want to be in total control. That's why there is no power at all. That's why they're just as dead as dead can be because the body of Christ is fueled by the power of his Holy Spirit. And unless his spirit is there, he's not there. Do you hear what I am saying? Unless the Holy Spirit is in a thing, then God is not in a thing. So men have got scared and they've tried to explain away certain gifts of the Spirit to say, oh, God does not do that anymore. He would not behave himself in such a way. No, that's powerless. And these are some of the same men who are addicted to things that they should not be addicted to. They're abusing children. All kind of evil is happening behind the scenes. Why? Because they've pushed out the power of the Holy Spirit and said the Holy Spirit can't be here. Another reason they push out the power of the Holy Spirit, because the, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. And he would begin to reveal things in these churches that are going on, and they don't want that. They don't want truth there. So they try to lock out the Holy Spirit to control people. You don't read, don't, don't read your Bible. We'll read the Bible for you. That's a scary place to be. The Holy Spirit is where God is. So we can't push him away. And just because you don't understand everything that happens by the Spirit doesn't mean it's not real. Let's keep going. So... The Holy Spirit's messages to men must be understood by men, either directly or interpreted. So if a person speaks under the influence of the Holy Spirit, and it sounds like a different language, okay, it better be able to be interpreted, okay, either by that person directly or by someone in the assembly. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because when the Holy Spirit speaks, it's a message. When the Holy Spirit speaks a message to men, it must be understood. 
So it, it can't just be random tongues happening, okay, if the message is for men. Because how can a message be for men if they can't comprehend or understand it, okay? However, the Holy Spirit's messages to God need no interpretation. They are to build the believer. Jude 2020 says this, but you... Dear friends, must build each other up in your holy, most, most holy faith, pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. So a person, a person that is praying in the power of the Holy Spirit, at times they will speak in a language that they don't understand and you don't understand, but you shouldn't be hearing it anyway. And even if you do, it's not a message to men, it's a message to God. Uh-oh, some of you are finding out you're at one of those kind of churches right now. So what I got to do for you is read the Bible to you so that you can have understanding, okay? Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 1 through 19. Because if you reject the power of the Holy Spirit, you're all by yourself. I thank God for every gift of the Spirit. I thank God for everything the Holy Spirit is able to give to me and reveal to me because I need power over the devil. The devil is real. The devil talks crazy. The devil's out here stealing, killing, and destroying, and I can't fight the devil by myself. I need some power, and the power of the Holy Spirit has been given to his church. Why would you fear the Holy Spirit when he's your help? Just because you don't understand everything, these things are new to you, doesn't mean that they are crazy or they're corrupt or they're not of God. Let's go to his word. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 1 through 19. He says this, Let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives. Who gives them? The Spirit. Now, some people abuse the Holy Spirit, and they'll pretend that they're speaking. They'll, they'll do all kinds of crazy stuff. You've seen it. People get in the flesh, and they do all kinds of things in the church. And everything that happens in the church, you, sometimes it's not of the Spirit. Sometimes it's of flesh. However, the Spirit of God within another believer will give witness to the situation and say, okay, this is of God or this is not of God. The Spirit tests the, thing of the things of the Spirit, okay? Let's keep going. But you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy, Okay? Prophesying is amazing. Prophesying is sharing the wisdom of God, a revelation of God with men so that their faith can be stirred up and they can see that event happen and bring more glory to God. Prophesying is not for our personal satisfaction, our personal, our personal pleasure, none of that stuff. It's for God, okay? Let's continue. Verse 2, for if you have the ability to speak in tongues... You will, only, you will be talking only to God. Some people won't be able to understand you. This is Bible, okay? You will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. Church, can you say mysterious? mysterious. The Bible even tells us that there are some things that the Holy Spirit will do that will be mysterious. Can you say mysterious? mysterious. I got to get this in you. Not, not evil, 
Not something to fear, but just a mystery. That is mysterious. I've never seen that before. I've never experienced it before. I've never had it happen to me before. That is mysterious. Verse 3. But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally. But one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. Verse 5. This is your Bible, okay? I wish you could all speak in tongues, but even more, I wish you could all prophesy. For prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues, unless someone interprets what you are saying so that the whole church will be strengthened. Dear brothers and sisters, if I should come to you speaking in an unknown language, how would that help you? But if I bring you a revelation or some special knowledge or prophecy or teaching, that will be helpful. Even lifeless instruments like the flute or the harp must play the notes clearly or no one will recognize the melody. And if the bugler doesn't sound a clear call, how will the soldiers know they're being called to battle? It's the same for you. If you speak to people in words they don't understand, how will they know what you are saying? You might as well be talking into empty space. There are many different languages in the world, and every language has meaning. But if I don't understand a language, I will be a foreigner to someone who speaks it, and the one who speaks it will be a foreigner to me. And the same is true for you. Since you are so eager to have the special abilities the Spirit gives, I want to say that again, special abilities the Spirit gives. Seek those that will strengthen the whole church. So anyone who speaks in tongues should also pray for the ability to interpret what has been said. For, for if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I am saying. Well, then what should I do? I will pray in the spirit, and I also will pray in words I understand. I will sing in the spirit, and I also will sing in words I understand. For if you praise God only in the spirit, how can those who don't understand you praise God along with you? How can they join you in giving thanks when they don't understand what you are saying? You will be giving thanks very well, but it won't strengthen the people who hear you. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you. But in a church meeting, I would rather speak five understandable words to help others than 10,000 words in an unknown language. Church, can you say amen? amen? That is the word of God. That is how we stay on one accord. That is how we stay in his will. Abuses can't happen where there is alignment to scripture. So that is why it's so important that we follow the word of God, and we be on one accord with his messages. All right. So a thing that can happen, and it happens all too often, is that we deny the wrong power. The soul of a Christian can be the greatest hindrance to the work of the body of Christ because it can, it can have knowledge but no power. And we're just about done. We're going to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, and it says this. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. 
For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. Church, let's be careful not to reject the power that makes us godly. Yes, we come here, and this is a religious thing. There's nothing wrong with religion. I got to teach this sometime because you hear it said all the time. It's not about religion. It's about relationship. But can I correct that? It's about religion and relationship because you have to have religion as well. And the religion has to be God's format for religion, not man's format for religion. For pure religion is this, to remember the orphans and widows and to keep yourself spotless from the world. That's what pure religion is. Is there anything wrong with that? No, that's what pure religion is, to remember orphans and widows and to keep yourself spotless from the world. So there's a battle going on within each and every one of us, and we must remember that there is no place for soul power in his body. His body must be powered by his spirit. We see in Romans chapter 7, verses, 20, verses 14 through 24, and I'm going to paraphrase this, that Paul is struggling with that soul power within. He has the Holy Spirit. He knows what to do, what is right. He knows how to do it, but still sin is alive in him as well. And everything right that he wants to do, he finds himself over and over doing the wrong thing over and over again. And this is just turmoil within him, a war happening inside. And verse 24 sums it up. And he says this, Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Then he goes on to say that it is Jesus. Thank, thanks be to God for Jesus Christ. Okay. Then we must learn, and we see in Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 17, that the Holy Spirit, is, is an, he's, he enables us to live a holy life. There is no holy life without the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 1 through 17 say this, So now there there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body, like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law will be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. Verse five, those who are dominated By the sinful nature, think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, think about the things that please the Spirit. 
I'm going I'm to pause right there because this has to settle in because so many of us Christians, uh, we, we live off of, off of soul power. When I say soul power, I mean our mind, our will, our emotions. And the only thing the devil has to do to manipulate us is produce an environment for us that's emotional. You hear what I'm saying? If you're living by the power of the soul, then all the devil has to do is put you into an environment where he can manipulate your feelings. So if you're already an emotional person, you got to guard your heart to know that that's one of the ways the enemy will come after you is to put you in emotional situations, a situation where you'll be angry or even a situation where you'll find a lot of joy. Okay, we got to be careful not to live by the influences of the soul, but only to live by the spirit of the holy power, by the power of the Holy Spirit, rather. So that being said, what dominates your thoughts? What do you think about the most? Do you think about earthly things the most? Or do you think about heavenly things the most? Thinking about heavenly things frees us from the power of sin in this earth. Because here's what it says. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about the things that please the Spirit. We must also learn here, finally, in John 6, chapter uh, John chapter 6, verses 63 through 69, we learn something that we have to live by the word of God. It was such a powerful uh, verse when, when God tells us that he's given us his Holy Spirit so that we are now his children. So we must live by the Spirit's thoughts, which are higher than ours, powered by his thoughts and powered by his faith, we are able to move mountains. But where will we find his thoughts? They are recorded for us. They are in our Bibles, and they are also written upon our hearts. So we've got to follow the Spirit. How do we follow the Spirit here on earth? Well, he speaks to us. He leads us. He guides us. On a Sunday morning, he uses a pastor at times to speak to your spirit, to lead you and guide you from the ways of this world. But tomorrow morning, there'll be no Pastor Damien there. So you still need to be led by his spirit. So how will he lead you? Well, if you stop and pray, he can lead you there in prayer. Only if you don't hang up the phone after you've asked for things. Prayer is two-way communication. Prayer is not just asking God for things, sharing your heart. Prayer is also hearing, hearing his heart. Lord, what do you have to say? To be led by the Spirit is to be, to led, to be led by the Holy Spirit is to be led by conv, uh, conviction as well. Not condemnation, but conviction. To be led by the Holy Spirit is to want to say something smart to your mom or dad to want to say something smart to your husband or wife or boss, but the Holy Spirit conviction is right there to lead you to say, mm -mm, don't say that. Don't say that. You don't belong to you anymore. That tongue, that mouth doesn't belong to you anymore. It belongs to God. The Holy Spirit animates the life of Christ in believers. 
If you want to live a Christian life, you need Christ on board through the Holy Spirit. And without the Holy Spirit, we're just religious people who can never please God, who will hear these words, I never knew you. It's impossible to live in the same house as a person and not know them because you see them every day. You know their likes and dislikes. So if God lives inside of you, he knows you. How do we know to follow the Holy Spirit's will? How do we know the thoughts of God? It's in the Bible. That's why, that's why your relationship with your Bible is a direct reflection of your relationship with Jesus Christ. Little Bible, little time in the Word, little time with Jesus. Not much Word going in, not much Jesus coming out. He and his word are one. Listen to what Jesus said in John 6, 63 through 69. The spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Your question is this, Pastor Damien, how will I be led by the Holy Spirit? And Jesus tells us here, my words I speak to you are spirit and life. In order to be led by the spirit, you must have the Bible hidden in your heart. You must spend time reading the word so that the spirit can lay down train tracks. The spirit can lay down different ways of the spirit. So the more I know the Bible, I know the ways of the spirit. But just knowing Bible verses doesn't give me the power to perform them. So once I learn the Bible verses, these train tracks flow from me to the, how the situation should be handled like Jesus would do it. So the Bible tells me, when I read the Bible and it tells me how to treat my wife, it gives me train tracks to get there. But by the power of my own soul, if I try to treat my wife the way that the Bible says treat her, if I just rely on Damien as I go down these train tracks, as I go down these verses, I fall so many times because I don't have the power to live holy in and of myself. I know what's right, just like Paul said. I know what's right, but in me, I can never accomplish that thing which is right. I always fall down time and time again. Who will deliver me from this body of death? And it's thank God for Jesus and his Holy Spirit. So once I know the Bible verses, once I know his way, once I know his will, there's this locomotive called the Holy Spirit that empowers me to then not only know the word, but do the word. Because the word is Jesus. So as I memorize Bible verses, I know Jesus. But I can't do what Jesus did without having his spirit inside of me. So the Holy Spirit becomes a locomotive. And now I know how to treat my wife from a soulless level. I've got the knowledge to do it. But with the Holy Spirit he gives me, 
I also now have the power to do it as well. Do you understand your need for the Holy Spirit? He said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will send you another helper, another comforter, and he will be with you. He will teach you. He will lead you and guide you in all the ways of truth. Verse 64, but some of you do not believe me. For Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe and who would betray him. Then he said, that is why I said that people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the 12 and asked, are you also going to leave? Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. Jesus said, my words are spirit and life, basically for his body. If we are the body of Christ, then what gives us life? His words, his spirit, okay? So we must then respond to this world with the word, not by emotion and especially not our own motions. We must not trust our hearts independent of God's light. Can you stand with me this morning, body of Christ? When Adam, I'm sorry, when God took dirt and formed a man out of it, a body out of it, he then breathed into the nostrils of this dirt, this being, this thing called man, and man received life. He became a living soul. That's how the natural body lives. So these natural bodies are alive because many, many years ago, our father and mother, Adam and Eve, okay, they received natural life. But they sinned even in the garden. The first two humans sinned and they brought death upon all of humanity. Now we're all born sinners. And no sinners will ever see God. So how is it that he will reconcile this problem? He needed another Adam. And the second Adam is Jesus Christ. And he is a life-giving spirit. Adam, through Adam we receive souls, the soulish life. But through God we receive spiritual life through his son, Jesus Christ. When God wanted Adam to have life, he breathed into his nostrils. When Jesus wants his body of believers to have life, what did he do? He gave them of his own spirit. Father, I pray now in Jesus' name that this church wakes up, God, and says, I can no longer afford to try to live a Christian life by my own soulish efforts. I continue to fail and fall over and over again when I try to do it by myself. And the good news of the gospel is we don't have to. That Jesus Christ came to this world as a man and died for our sins so that we might have eternal life in him. 
Listen, brothers and sisters in Christ, if you want to see Jesus, then you're going to need to ride the train. The train is the power of the Holy Spirit. Stop relying on your own soulless self. You will never get it right as a soul. You will never get it right as a person. Your righteousness is terrible. There's no goodness in you at all until by faith you believe on the Son of God. And in that moment, we have life and he gives us of his Holy Spirit. But the point of this Holy Spirit is that we constantly ask him to fill us every day. Lord, fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your spirit so I can be a husband like Christ would have been, a wife, a worker, a servant, a brother, a sister like Christ. None of us are like Christ without the Holy Spirit. There's no such thing as a Christian without the Holy Spirit. Now, there's different signs, there's different gifts that the Holy Spirit brings, but it's always at his doing. So what we have to do is say, Holy Spirit, I yield my body to you so that Christ may have life again on earth through me. I crucify my old self to the cross to be nailed there with Jesus so that the greatest event that ever happened on earth can hap happen again in me. That my death will be buried and left behind. And through faith in Jesus Christ, I will have new life by the Spirit. Church, can you say this with me? I have faith, I have faith. In, Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ that he has given me, has given me eternal, life eternal life by his Spirit. By his spirit. Not, just Not just for heaven, for heaven. but also to live a godly life on earth. Holy Spirit, I yield my body to you. I am a temple for God. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I thank you for this prayer. I thank you, God, that we are, instead of rejecting the Holy Spirit, we're going to reject this world. We're going to reject our love for this world. We're going to clean out the closets of our heart and say, you know what? This can go and that can go. My pride can go. My anger can go. My bitterness can go. My unforgiveness can go. My lust can go. My impatience can go. My judgmental spirit can go. My attitude can go. All these things can go so that the Holy Spirit can now occupy those spaces in our hearts because we need to live by your power and not our own. So forgive us, God, for trying to live Christian lives through the power of man. We take ourselves back to the law when we do that. When we try to achieve righteousness by our own works and live the best life we can live by our own works, we go back to the law. 
Lord, we want to live in grace. And your grace says that I have done it for you, and I give you my righteousness, I give you my peace, and now I give you my spirit. Lord, we receive the gift of your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen.